The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, thank you for being with me today, starting a new week here on Afternoons with Mike on The Shepherd. And with me today on the telephone, I've got an evangelist. Now, it's not every day I get to do this, to talk to somebody that is involved, directly involved in teaching other people all about the Lord through evangelism, and in particular, Dot Giannis Horseman, my guest today, is with Evangelism Explosion. Now, there's a whole lot more to Dot, as we're going to find out, than just her work, but it is great to have her on my program. Welcome, Dot. Thank you, Mike. Glad to be here. Now, I know that one of the things that's drawn you into this part of Central Florida, I think uh, normally you're in the Jacksonville area, right? I am in the Jacksonville area now. Mm -hmm. Right. I know you've been all over the place. And again, we're going to get to a lot of that. But your purposes for Central Florida has been to work with uh, the team that is uh, putting on an event in Castleberry. Tell us about that. Ah, the event is called Funtoberfest, and it is going to be Saturday, October the 21st. Which is just now past because we're recording this before And this will have been this past Saturday, right? Exactly, exactly. So seven local churches have come together to do this Halloween alternative event. And so there's going to be an evangelism booth. And my friend Kai Jostrom said, hey, you have to come on down and do this with us. And I said, "Uh, okay, I'll be down there. That's wonderful. Now, Kai, I know Kai and Anna well. And of course, our church in Castleberry is one of those participating churches, and it is really going to be exciting. I can't believe I'm not going to be able to be there. My wife had surgery this week, so I'm staying close to home with her. But boy, I'm I'm praying for you guys, excited for what's going on, and uh, I want to hear a lot about Evangelism Explosion as the program goes on, including how you got involved in it and exactly the training process that you put people through that you get to meet and they get to go and they get to become better at sharing their faith and all of that. And it sounds like what you'll be doing is in that uh, what you were doing, as again, we're in the past now uh, talking about that event, which uh, is going to happen this past Saturday, uh, is meeting up with people who may be just dropping by casually because it's at an event and they don't they're not part of the the church. They're not in a relationship with the Lord. Uh, how is it? Do you talk to people? What what happens? What are you expecting to have happen? Oh, for me, it's very easy because I I go for connecting with the kids, and uh, and it's always just a lot of fun to be able to talk to them, find out how old they are, what's their grade, and this is a time where not only can I be speaking to the children, but I, the parents are right there. They're a captive audience also. So that when I am talking to them about Jesus, the children, I'm also talking to the parents about that one too. So this is almost like children and, and family evangelism is where, um, is what my focus is for this Funtoberfest. Well, that is so exciting, and I know I've been a part of these kind of outreaches, and you're right, a lot of kids that are there, kids today, more than any time that I've, I can imagine, they're drawn, and there's so much distraction, all this stuff with social media has has pulled uh, you know a lot of kids into that, and then you add to it all the things that's going on in our culture with this move towards uh, gender and transgender and all of these other uh, big ticket uh, hot buttons, if you will, that our culture is throwing at kids. Our kids need all the good news they can get, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the enemy knows that his time is short, and so he uses confusion, he uses doubt, and he knows that if he can disassemble the family, that is the way to just, you know, take out the foundation of everything. Yeah. 
Now, when you do these kind of events like this, and it's a, uh, by and large, uh, although there's a lot of churches that are involved in putting this event on, but I know that you, without a doubt, you do some of these at what would be otherwise secular events, right? Yes, we do. We do. What kind of pushback so, do you get when you do that, Dot? Um, I don't get a whole lot of pushback from it. Do you? <laughs> I guess the Lord's head to protection is around me oh, that's because great. I'm, you know, I'm I'm in public schools, and um, there the principals are not afraid to pray. We've had a, uh, in Jacksonville, we did a, a prayer breakfast, and we had a lot of the superintendents from the schools as well as principals that were coming out. And we say, the church and the schools need partnership. You all need each other. Okay, that's and right. So, but it's so important. It's you know, so important. It's exciting to hear that even principals are recognizing the problems that are happening today. I mean, it's like a frontier out there for kids. If they don't have the rooting and the grounding of a family that is tied to a local church, almost anything goes with today's kids at very young ages. That's so true. And that's why I'm so passionate about Hope for Kids Children's Ministry. In Hope for Kids Children's Ministry, this is basically um, geared towards the elementary age children. And what we do on this one is that um, in our trainings, I work with the adults who work with the children. And um, we clarify the gospel message for the children when they understand it. We help bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then we teach the children how they can share their faith with their other little friends and their family. Now, as you take a, a step back, I'm just saying, this is not just a children's ministry. Right. You yeah. can look at this one and you can use it as family evangelism. So, Mike, I want you to picture this. What if you could get grandparents or surrogate grandparents and parents together and the youth and you say to the youth, this is not a baby program. Do you have younger brothers and sisters in your family? How about in your community? Mm -hmm. How about in your church? Are you running into little kids when you are on your missions trip? Wouldn't you like to have some tools and how to share the gospel with them? And you have the children. So for 12 units, which is about 12 weeks, they are doing the most um, Christian bonding activities. They're doing games and learning songs in which they're memorizing the scripture. They are doing drama skits that have a biblical meaning. We have arts and crafts that they get to actually build something when they're talking about heaven, sin, mm -hmm. God, yes. Christ, and faith. And then we teach the gospel message with hand motions. Once you put that kinesthetic part of doing hand motions, you've got you've just tapped into kinesthetic learning, auditory learning, and visual learning. And something sticks, and it's so much more fun. Isn't it fun to see kids who really have this uncanny ability to memorize quickly, how quickly the, the seeds of the gospel can be planted in their hearts? And really, a lot of change just happens over a very short period of time, right? Exactly, because children's minds are, they're just so fertile. Yeah. And um, I just believe that we as Christians, we need to be proactive in planting those seeds of faith within our children, because there's so many other things that are out there that want their attention and want their mind. And it's not of the light. Well, I can't so wait to I, hear the uh, outcome of this tent. And of course, the rest of the events that are going on at that event. And that it was the uh, Funtoberfest that again, took place this past Saturday in Castleberry, although we are recording this program on the Friday before. And so it is so exciting to, to get to talk with you and uh, to hear a little bit about that. Before we get into more things with Evangelism Explosion, uh, let's turn for a moment, and I'd like to know how it is that you got involved in doing what you're doing. So let's start with this. How did, where did you grow up, and how is it that you came to know the Lord? <laughs> That's a very, very good question, Mike. Uh, when my husband and I had moved to uh, West Palm Beach area, this was after my mother had um, had passed away with the breast cancer, we knew we wanted to come down to the Florida area uh, because my husband's father and his sister were down here and we were just flying down 
uh, from Northern Virginia. We were flying down into Florida every three-day weekend that we had. And so we were at Lake Osborne Presbyterian Church. I was singing in the choir because my background is a singer, dancer, actor, and instrumentalist, and got really close to the choir director who was also Filipino. And um, and one of the um, couples that was in my choir had called up and said, hey, Don and Jim, can we come by for a visit? And I said, yep, come on over. We're new in town. We'd like to, you know, meet some new people. And um, the St. John's, this couple, the last name by the St. John's, they came by the house and they presented the gospel in a way that I just had not heard and it made sense. And I just gave my heart to Christ right then and there. And things have never been the same since. Shortly after that happened, um, I was over with uh, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. I heard that they were looking for a director for children's choirs. And so I went to find out about that and uh, met with the choir director. And he brought me in front of some people. And I'm going, oh, I'm new in town, new friends. So I got to talk with them. And he brought me in front of uh, some other people. And I got to talk with them. And I said, oh, more new friends. And when I got done with that, when they say, we love you, when can you start? And going start what <laughs> and that's how i uh, started directing children's choirs at coral ridge presbyterian church and that's and then, obviously the connection with evangelism explosion then exactly exactly and then a friend of mine um had called up and said hey i hear that there's this training where they're doing singing and they're doing a drama and they've got arts and crafts and i said and they've got kids sign me up. And I went through my first Hope for Kids training and I thought, oh my gosh, everything that I do in worship arts, the singing, the dancing, the acting, the instrumentals, I can do this all for Jesus. And uh, I was all in, went through the certification and, and now I'm a certified trainer for Hope for Kids. That's and I absolutely love it, love it, love it. Well, you... And have been able to travel around the world to do that. Using the gifts that God has given you, as anybody should be doing and can be doing, and I think a lot of people just don't realize that, the giftedness that God gave you, obviously, this you've listed off several things that you've done, and I know from talking with you before, you attended the University of Maryland, I believe it was? Yes. And, and then uh, well, you were kind of discovered there, maybe before you went there, by one of the profs that were at the university. So in high school, you were already singing. And obviously, I believe a, a person's gift often makes room for itself. And that's what happened in you. You were kind of discovered, uh, right? Absolutely. I was in 11th grade uh, in my high school, and I had made it through the auditions to, to be in state choir. Well, the director for state choir was Dr. Paul Traver, and he happened to be the director of choral studies at University of Maryland. And after we had sung through our performance, he came up to me and he said, um, I want you to come sing for me. I'm going to be taking a choir to Germany for the International Wagner Festival this this coming up summer. And uh, I want you to come audition for it. And I said, uh, am I going up against university students? He goes, don't worry about that. Just come out right. and sing for me. So a dear, dear friend, his mother, took me all the way up to University of Maryland. And I sang for Dr. Traver. And he said, well, I guess you better go get your passport because we start rehearsals in two weeks. And uh, back we, when we you could get a passport bit. in two weeks, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. I think I'd had my passport before then because I, you know, I do quite a bit of traveling. Oh there. yeah. But um, got a chance to to sing in, in the International Wagner Festival with a with our group. We were representing the United States, and uh, and I majored in music because of my high school teacher. I remember talking to people who had majored in, in music and they said, oh, well, I grew to hate it. And I go, oh, I would never have that happen. I'm not going to major in music. And it was my high school teacher, Dr. Um, it was uh, Bob McKenzie, Mr. Mm -hmm. McKenzie. He looked at me and he says, oh, no, you are going to major in music. And that I did. So I was uh, a voice major at University of Maryland. We had one opera production a year. 
And after I finished with my um, bachelor's degree, I went up to New York to get uh, a summer internship with an opera company. And I landed uh, a summer internship with Lake George Opera Company. And um, as soon as I got up to Lake George, I was finding out, okay, who's the dance teacher? Who's doing choreography? I'm going to go see what I can do to help her because of my dance background. Mm -hmm. And um, and so Doc, uh, David Lloyd, who was the director of Lake George Opera, happens to be the director of opera at University of Illinois. And he says to me after we get done with the season, hey, what are you doing for the fall? And I said, I'm looking for a place to do my master's degree, but I, you know, I need some financial assistance. And he says, come to University of Illinois. You'll be a teaching assistant. And then, well, let's get your master's degree. And I said, you are on. The oh people my. who were in, <laughs> I know, can you believe it? That's so and wonderful. So the, People who were in the uh, the box office were from Champaign Urbana, and they call, and I got a chance to meet them. And they called off their mom. They're going, "We're coming home. We've got a friend. Find her an apartment. She's starting her masters." So from um, from upstate New York, we drove down through Maryland. I picked up all my stuff and did my car, and we all drove out to University of Illinois, and I started my master's degree out there. Now you and I went from. Uh <laughs> Obviously, you mentioned opera. Were you into opera before you started all of this with the schooling? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you really loved it all along. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went from University of Maryland, who did one major production, to University of Illinois. that did six major productions, three major productions each semester. Mm -mm. Now, before crazy. that, before University of Maryland, were you mm -hmm. a lover of that, that level of art, too? Um. I knew I could sing classical. Um, I kind of liked opera, um, and I enjoyed singing it. So, mm. yes, I did have a love for that. But my love was really not so much for opera, but for the classical musical theater, because then I could do my dance, then I can do my acting in on that. So I love to be doing like West Side Story, you know, Leonard Bernstein, uh, anything Rodgers and Hammerstein, anything with Irving Berlin, mm -hmm. um, those, you know, those, those old classic um, composers of musics, of musicals that, you know, you can come away with a tune that you can hum. So those were my big things. And I, and I, that's what led me to go into um, after, let's see, doing auditions again up in New York, I landed a cruise ship contract. Oh, and, man. Uh, and <laughs> that's crazy. Now, that, that's a whole story. We're going to have to hear more about that on the other side of the break because I know that people that sign up for the cruises, that's intense, and I don't think many people realize how intense it really is because you're gone a lot of the, of the time of the year that you're in yes, that contract. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's true. Well, let's hear about that when we get back. My guest today is Dot Giannis Horseman, and she is with Evangelism Explosion, and she is the ministry coordinator for the United States. And I'm so honored to have her on the program, listening to her background. We'll hear more from Dot in a moment, especially all this cruising stuff that uh, is going on. When we return, this is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Dot Giannis Horseman is my guest today. Dot is an evangelist. She's a, a, an evangelism trainer with this big organization that's out of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. We all know that D. James Kennedy 
was uh, instrumental in this whole thing that uh, would be, I, I think, very affectionately known as EE. For many years, evangelism explosion has been the tools, the methods of teaching people how to uh, share the gospel and really to take the gospel for a lot of people who have gone through this this course, to take the gospel into their own neighborhoods, into their own families, into their workplaces, and effectively share the gospel. And that's what you do. That's what you do all the time, Dot. It's really exciting to talk with you and to um, see somebody that's doing it at the level that you're doing it. I'm so excited to be here and talking with you, Mike. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. You've got it. Now, we left our last segment with you telling us a little bit about your background, a singer, uh, a dancer. You were in a lot of productions in high school. Then that translates into going into college. And then after your undergraduate, uh, getting your master's degree in the fine arts field with uh, this uh, voice that God has given you. Now you're doing opera music. And you said that you were on a cruise. You got a cruise contract. Now, Cindy and I have done a little bit of cruising. I think we were on four cruises before. And I've always been amazed at the level of talent that I would find on these cruise ships. But then I found out that, you know, these things last a week usually. And then you know, you, you disembark and you go home, but the people on the cruise, they, they, they might be on there for months at a time, right? So what yes, was that like for you? Is, does that pretty much describe what you did? That pretty much does. And, um, you know, as, as wonderful as cruise ships are, you can get tired of Never Never Land. Oh, I bet. <laughs> You've got to get your sea legs under you for one thing. You do. You do. And for a dancer, I can't even imagine what that's like. Oh, my goodness. When I had landed, we it was with Holland America Cruise Line. Um, I did auditions and landed this contract. It was a partial world cruise. And what we did is we started up in... Miami, and then we came down through Aruba, and we were in Argentina, and then we were in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We came around the the tip of South America. Oh my goodness! And I, I remember, you know, playing with the penguins and taking pictures of them. And you know, with my luck as a Filipina, I looked very indigenous to a lot of the countries that was uh, on this particular itinerary. And for me, I would just pull on my backpack. And for us uh, that were on the well, for the um, the there's uh, cruise ship entertainers. And, you know, the regular band people who are on there, but we weren't that usual kind of thing. We were just one of the special groups that came up. So we, and we would rehearse when we were at sea and whenever we came into port, I was usually the first one to take the first tender out and I'd bring the last tender back mm-hmm. and I just had my backpack and I'd sit in the in the middle of the city square and I'd go looking around seeing where all the locals were going to go eat and I'd go follow them in there and just have an adventure, just an adventure. Um, I don't know how safe I could do that now, but back then that was really a lot of fun. It might not be a good idea in certain ports. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard a lot about that. Things have changed a lot, but boy, that sounds like you've really traveled the world and got to see all these different cultures. And of course, your parents having been from the Philippines, although they made the trek over to the U.S. where you were born. So you were born here stateside, right? I was. My dad was in the Navy. I was born at Bethesda Naval Hospital. My dad, when he was living in the Philippines, he joined the U.S. Navy, and that's how he came over to the States. My mother was uh, studying nursing at Georgetown University, and her brother, uh, my Uncle Dave, was in the Navy, and he was one of the presidential chefs for Eisenhower. And, um, and so my dad followed in my uncle's footsteps and he was one of the presidential chefs, um, the Sequoia, which was a presidential yacht for Lyndon Johnson at that time. Mm -hmm. So, um, my two older sisters and my younger brother and I, we all learned to cook at a very early age. Uh, were you ever able to be near any of that kind of, uh, activity yourself to be on those? Oh, to be on the Sequoia? Mm-hmm. 
Oh my goodness. I remember my daddy taking us, um, we would do, we'd throw in some fishing lines and we'd catch catfish in the Potomac. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then I remember there was one time when, uh, when we actually got to go on one of the, like a sunset cruise on there. And there were four of us that were just sitting on this bench. And my mother just says, don't talk to anybody don't move from here and we're going like okay be seen and not heard just smile mm-hmm. at them and uh so that was a chance to go do that and i remember my dad would sometimes take us up to admiral burke's home so that was uh where it had beautiful beautiful cherry blossoms around the end of march beginning uh, of april and it was so beautiful admiral burke Now, you mentioned again when we weren't recording about going back actually to the Philippines and doing some music over there and getting to be reconnected with some of your family members. Oh, my goodness gracious. There was uh, the director or the conductor of the National Philharmonic was in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. And with me being a classical soprano, whenever uh, there were Philippine dignitaries that would come in, the embassy would call me and say, come sing the classic Kundiman, you know, for our dignitaries. So when Redentor Romero came in and he says, I need a soprano, we got paired up. And uh, so I would sing uh, the songs and he would play violin on them and we'd have an accompanist. And he said, people need to hear you in the Philippines come do a concert tour. So when my dad had passed away when I was 11 years old, Mm -hmm. we lost all contact with his side of the family. And so when he went over to the Philippines, um, one of the ways that we would promote the concert is that I would talk to um, like Lions Club, Awana Club, Awanas. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I would, they were just, tickled about me because here I was a Filipina and and I'm talking about my experience first time in the Philippines. And I remember landing at the airport and I'm, and I'm going like, Oh my gosh, everybody's Brown, just like me. (laughs) That's funny. And, uh, and that was, uh, it was really kind of cool. We were uh, trying to find everywhere that I would speak. I go, if anybody knows the Giannis family in Lingayen, please let me know because I'm going to find my roots. And it wasn't until I did my concert that a friend of ours that we knew back in the States says, I have a friend, Mary, who knows where the Giannis family is in Lingayen. We will take you there tomorrow. Isn't that something? I know. And so we were, this was after Mount Penitubo blew. So there was ash everywhere, Mike, ash, volcanic ash all over. But we drove up into that area. And, um, and I remember um, we drove up to the door of the Giannis family and I knocked on it and this tall, handsome young man opened the door and I said, you don't know me, but I'm the daughter of, of Jamie Giannis. And that happened to be my cousin, Pastor Pedro um, Giannis, who is now in, um, in the Philadelphia area in Pennsylvania. And he, we sat and we talked with him until about 12 midnight. And he goes, your grandmother is still alive. Oh, no. We will bring her tomorrow. Oh, that's amazing. So... The next day we come up and, and we, uh, you know, I come up to the house and I see this, this elderly woman and I look at her in the eyes and we just connected and I just ran over to her and I threw my arms around her and my cousin says, this is your Lola, which is um, Tagalog for grandmother. Mm -hmm. This is your Lola. And um, so he sat and he translated everything for me because I do not speak Tagalog. Mm -hmm. I don't speak Spanish. I know like I I know I look like I should, but I don't. And so I got a chance to actually meet my grandmother. Oh, that is so incredible. And meet cousins and aunts and uncles. And um, and then Redenta Romero invited me to come back and do another concert. And so on this second concert, I was able to connect with my mother's side of the family, which was really wonderful oh. to be able to hear, you know, about my aunts 
my, my titas and my titos, my aunts and uncles that were there and meet the cousins. It was just a, a wonderful time for me to uh, meet my roots and, and be in touch with them. Now, I've never been in that part of the world before, but I know there are tons of islands in the Philippines. And, oh the, and the, you know, the fact that you guys could be so connected and that they're still around now, I, I don't, what part of the, the Philippines did, what was your parents a part of? What, uh, what island? Ah, my parents are from the northern region called Pangasinan. And uh, my, my father, he was from a, a little city called Lingayen, which is part of the Pangasinan area. And my mother from Los Salaminos, which means you know, a thousand islands. <laughs> there were over there. There are, no doubt. <laughs> Thousands. Thousands oh of islands goodness. out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a background. What a heritage you have. And I'm so grateful that uh, you had these opportunities because you think about it, you're, again, born in the U.S., but with parents that were very much from the Philippines originally, and then they're over in the service, and that's how you get here. And then to get reconnected, uh, how good of God to allow that to happen. Amen to that. It's such a blessing. Well, the, thank you for sharing all of that. That is such an interesting story. And, you know, you've had this incredible ability to travel, uh, both through cruises and other trips, and your music has really opened the door for that, right? It truly has. I've been able and blessed to be able to travel not only with my music, but also with uh, with the Ministry of Hope for Kids. Uh, back in January, um, I had, was on a team that led Hope for Kids training in Belize City, the English-speaking part of Belize. Mm-hmm. So we were there in, uh, in January. This past summer, uh, I did two missions trips to Cuba. And the first mission trip was in May, and we um, we had connected with a pastor, Ramon Guilarte, and he was a pastor of this small church in San Dino. And we had come over, and I was working with his wife with Hope for Kids, and then the rest of our team was working with him with Share Your Faith for Adults. And after we left, their church was out and inviting people and evangelizing, and people were coming to Christ, and his church doubled and then he opened another church and they did the same thing and that church doubled Mm. and so the methodist leaders up in havana are looking at the numbers and they're going oh who is this pastor ramon maybe we need to uh, bring him up to havana maybe he'll show us what he's doing for such incredible church growth so they promoted him He is now in Havana. He is the dean of the Evangelical Methodist Seminary in Havana. That is amazing. And um, and right now, even as we speak, 2,500 students from that seminary are learning Share Your Faith. Mm. The adults. You know, I've got to ask this because it seems like it would be just natural. With the travels that you've done, you've seen all of these different people groups as you've traveled on the cruise, uh, the experiences that you had on the cruise ships, uh, you know, the gospel works in every language. And you've had an opportunity, even though you don't speak these other languages, you've seen the gospel reach these other people groups. And that's got to be uh, something that really excites you. It is. It's wonderfully exciting. When we did our training in May, a lot of the people that were in that training group were from the seminary. And one of the folks, one of the pastors from the Nazarene Church said, we want to do a vacation Bible school based on this Hope for Kids. And I said, perfect. I've already done it. I've got the format. And we'll be back in July to do this. So while we were training our youth group at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church at the same time in Alquizar, um, Alquizar City, which just has these little dirt roads, they were training their youth group. And uh, in July, we brought them all together. And I said to my group, my youth group, you're the support team. You don't speak Spanish, but you'll know everything that they're doing. And so those two youth groups came together and we had an incredible VBS. Oh, I bet. And the, oh man, the children were just so excited to get their own little workbook. 
They learned the gospel presentation with hand motions beautifully. And again, we were just following them because they do it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we were just kind of following them. And I knew enough of the Spanish that I could, you know, do the hand cues on it. So that was really wonderful. And we started out with about 75 kids the next day. It was more kids because they invited their friends the next day. It was more kids because they invited their friends. Mm-hmm. And the numbers of it kept growing. And so it was a wonderful VBS. And um, Pastor Elizabeth um, had enough materials left over from what we had brought over that she said, I want to take this to another church. She brought the same vacation Bible school. Here's the spiritual multiplication already right there. That that happened. And the children were just so hungry for it. And as the, as we're doing the hope for kids vacation Bible school, there's an adult, a team that is teaching, share your faith to the adults of the children that are in VBS. Mm -hmm. So we're just feeling like we are just equipping and empowering the whole family. That is what you're doing. Evangelism Explosion is the group that uh, Dot is part of. Dot Giannis Horseman is my guest today. And uh, again, Dot's been in the area. How often have you been down to Central Florida getting ready for this event? Oh, my goodness gracious. I was down here um, earlier this spring to do a Share Your Faith at Metro Life Church. And so I'm down here again for Oktoberfest our Funtoberfest, and uh, there may be some other things as I get to know the pastors and get to meet with them tomorrow and see if there's, uh, you know, if there might be an opportunity, if they would like to have, you know, us come along, have Evangelism Explosion come alongside their church to help uh, equip and empower, you know, their children, their youth, their adults, their seniors to share the gospel message. Oh, that's, that's what great. we do. We're the pure church support. I love that. Going in, equipping the people in the church to do the work of the Lord. This is Amen. so great. Uh, Dot will be back with me for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're right here on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, Yes and yes. Visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Thank you for being with us today here on Afternoons with Mike. It's been so much fun to talk to my guest, Dot Giannis Horseman. She is the USA Ministry Coordinator for Evangelism Explosion. Now, this organization is well-known across the world, really, but especially in the U.S. It came out of Coral Ridge. D. James Kennedy, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but what an amazing thing this church, this local church in South Florida did, uh, the gift that they gave uh, with this program, Evangelism Explosion, kind of shortened to EE. It's one of the most known evangelism equipping ministries that's out there. Isn't that right? That is absolutely right. And did you know, Mike, thank you. Thank you again for the wonderful opportunity to be with you. Uh, let me let me just let you know an interesting a statistic. Dr. Josh McDowell had said, that 95% of Christians have never brought anyone to Christ. And do you know why? They just weren't taught how. That's right. But that's what Evangelism Explosion does, is we give them a simple way to learn how to share the gospel message, something that's duplicatable. That's so important, a duplicatable method to uh, have multiplication of spiritual leaders. And, you know, that has been done now through the years, through the decades. I'm not sure exactly what year that EE was first formed, but I know it's decades old now. 1962. 1962. Wow. Can you believe it? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So a long time, what, 60 some odd years now that this Mm -hmm. has been going on and helping people do exactly what Dodd just said to have a way to do it. And, you know, I love the fact that we're all called to share our witness. That's what Jesus gave us in the book of Acts right there, right before the ascension. 
He said that we would be his witnesses. And that's not just for the pastors. That's not just for those that have this evangelistic gifting like I think you do. But all of us, the entire church, we're called on to witness for the Lord and to be ready in season, out of season. It doesn't matter. We've got to be ready all the time to share our faith and to give witness to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And we find that if people don't, you know, there's a lot of pastors that say, go out and go share the gospel and people are all fired up. And then they stand in front of somebody and they go, uh, how do we start? What do we say? What do we do? And that's where they, you know, if you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do, guess what? You're not going to do it. That's right. But you know what? You know what? Jesus just calls us to be the messenger. It is not up to us to convince somebody to come to Christ. All we have to do is be obedient, be the messenger, and let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. You know, I He's think much that's better su- yes, that is such an important aspect of the whole thing, because a lot of people are always afraid to join a team or maybe to go on a missions trip. And yet everyone that I've ever talked with that would have felt that way prior to that missions trip uh, or an evangelism team, they were buzzing about it afterwards and so excited Mm -hmm. about it. It's that apprehension that is the big enemy of a lot of people sharing. And that apprehension is something that we uh, try to show people when we do our share your faith clinics, what we will do is an active OJT, on-the-job training, and we will break up the groups into teams of two and three, and we send them out with an experienced trainer so that they can watch what it's like to share the gospel message. They can share a little point of that gospel message. Mm -hmm. And when these people see how the countenance, the countenance changes in a person. And, you know, they start seeing the tears start coming. And and when somebody says, yes, I want Jesus, and they are like, oh, my goodness gracious, did I just get to see that one there? And uh, it's so exciting for them. We've had pastors, Mike, come back from, uh, from our OJTs and going, you mean to tell me? I could have been doing this for the past 25 years. Yeah, yeah. They didn't teach me this in seminary. They did not teach me this in seminary. Yeah. And that's why, that's why, you know, a lot of the seminaries, you know, we're, we're going to seminaries and say, Hey, you, (laughs) we can help you equip your people to know how to do this with children, with youth, with adults and with seniors. We can help you with that. You know, we talked about young people today and the state that a lot of young people are in. I know social media has kind of done a number on not just kids, but families. You go to any Uh restaurant and you look at the families that are sitting in there around that table. So oftentimes their faces are down in their own individual screens. Uh They're, They're not talking. And with all of this thing about friends and you know, Facebook friends and connectedness with all of the tools that we have. It would be my opinion that this is one of the loneliest eras in our entire lifetime. I have to agree with you. I think people, especially with the isolation from COVID, have lost the art of eye-to-eye contact and conversation. Yeah, They have just lost that art because when you text, you don't get to see what the person's reaction is. And, you know, when you read body language, that's so much a part of, of how they express themselves. And they're not looking at that. They're just looking at texts that come across the screen. They are lo- they're looking at all of that. And all the while, what's being almost sucked out of their life is hope. And that's the very uh-huh. word that I've heard you have attributed in your whole ministry that you're doing with the kids uh, because of the fact that kids today need hope. Uh, Parents need hope too. We all Uh, need it. uh And we're, we're living in times. If you listen to the news and and that's all you're doing, Holy cow, you could end up without hope. And, And that's the good news about the gospel. And I really love what you said. It's really not our place to, to just uh, do everything of uh, getting them to sign on the dotted line and getting them to pray and to do all of the things. That's God's work. That's the Holy Spirit's work. But we exactly. are called to share. We are called to be available to give witness. And that is something that we all can do. 
Exactly. And as we share, we just have to remember, God calls us to be the messenger. He calls us to plant the seed. He calls us to water it. And every time that gospel is shared, you know, you're either planting or you're watering it. If that person doesn't come to save the faith in Christ at that moment, that's okay. Because the next person that may come up and share the gospel, all of a sudden, something clicks and they go, now this makes sense. But they would not have come to that decision, you know, without the watering That's right. of the different yeah. people that came behind them. Yes. I heard years ago that it's usually seven of those experiences, a minimum of seven before most people will exactly uh, come to that place of, of praying and accepting the Lord. It's usually been presented uh, up to seven times. And so we never know which one of those watering or plants or seed planting experiences is going to be number seven. That's really only up to God, but we can be part of that process. So true. So true. And did you know that biblically speaking, seven is the number for completion? That's right. (laughs) That's really true. And uh, I I don't think that number is lost on that at all. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. Mm -hmm. Don, you know, you've been doing this for years, both uh, I know long before you were doing it as a coordinator for EE, uh, you've had this in your heart to share the gospel ever since you first came to know the Lord. What was, uh, what are some of the things when you look back at your experiences, what are some of the most, uh, let's say, uh, joyous, uh, faith-filled experiences that you've had in seeing evangelism come to the face of a, a, either an individual or a family? Oh, my goodness. Um, let's see. Um, can I give you an example of what happened in my family here? Absolutely. My husband and I had been living in West Palm Beach for 24 years. And uh, he was operations manager, operations manager for Mac Papers. During COVID, um, his branch got closed down. Mm. And we looked at each other and my husband goes, I'm 64 years old. Does that mean I do a resume and go looking for a job? And I go like, well, okay, let's see what's going on. And, uh, and I remember him coming home and going, honey, our lives are about to drastically change. And he said, we're going to be moving to Jacksonville. And I said to him, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want me to leave everything that I built here in West Palm Beach? You want me to leave my director of music and worship arts at my church? You want me to leave my artist in residence position with the high school where I get the music direct and choreograph? You want me to leave, um, you know, teaching at Palm at Palm Beach Atlantic University as adjunct mm. professor in vocal music and at Palm Beach State. I said, and, and you know, what about my travel business? What about my health and wellness business? What about my private studio? <laughs> You're asking me to give all this up and go to a place where I don't know anybody? I just got and- tired listening to all the things you were doing. <laughs> and my husband sheepishly grinned and he just shook his head. And um, I tell you, Mike, I I went kicking and screaming. I just didn't want to do this. And Mm. this was happening, the packing up a house uh, in December. We put our house up on the on the market on uh, on a Thursday. And that would be twenty twenty, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, twelve people came by. The next day, we got six offers, and the next day, our realtor said, "Here, choose one." And we're like, do we have a week? And he goes, no, June's one. So after we chose one, we looked at each other and said, well, I guess we don't have a home here. We better get uh, find out about some housing in um, Jacksonville. And my husband found a place on a Tuesday and he goes, I really like this place. I'm going to buy it. And I'm going, would you please wait till I see that? And I drove up to Jacksonville and I said, okay, this will do. And in the midst of unpacking boxes and crying and crying and crying, Mm -hmm. Mike, I just felt Jesus say, oh, Martha, 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 my little busybody, how did that work out for you? You know, that story about Martha and Mary in the Bible. Yeah. And he said, and, and I just, I just felt Jesus going, you have been asking me for years to do ministry full time. He says, I have brought you to Jacksonville. I have taken away all the distractions. Are you ready to follow me? Mm. And I said, yes, Lord, I am. 
And from that day, ministry doors have really opened up and I'm able to do this full time. That is such a great story. How inspiring and how true. The Lord sometimes causes what looks like almost explosions. Speaking of evangelism explosions, Mm -hmm. he causes our life to kind of explode and uh, break us away from doing the things that we were doing, some of the things we thought we were doing for the Lord and find out that, well, they weren't uh, as important to the Lord as we thought because he just separated us from that and that's what mm-hmm. he did with you. And now you're doing it in a in an entirely different area, Jacksonville, and yet your influence is still being felt down there as it is in Orlando and Castleberry. Thank you for what you've done to equip our area and for all of the work of EE. It, it's really been great to hear this today. If you've just tuned in, we're talking about evangelism, explosion, and Dot, Dot Giannis Horseman is my guest. She's the USA missionary, I'm sorry, the USA ministry coordinator for this great organization. And uh, Dot, your story is fantastic. Thank you for sharing it with us today. You are very welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for the opportunity to just be able to share what God has done for me in my life. How all can, praises go to Jesus. How can people get in touch with you? My cell phone number, if they're interested in calling me, is area code 561-596-7076. That might be the easiest way. And okay. Mike, I can give you my email address later on. Okay. Very good. Dot, thank you for being with me today. And I, I just pray God's blessing upon you as you train others to share their faith through evangelism explosion. And we're so excited that we've had this time with you today. And friends, we thank you as well for being with us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. 